chapter 15. I'm sorry, chapter 16. Second Samuel chapter 16. And I will begin reading at verse 5. While you're turning there, I again want to thank uh, Brother and Sister Butcher for their great kindness to us. And uh, we feel like they have become real friends over the years and really appreciate the opportunity of being with them. I enjoy being in this church, this congregation, the way that you worship, and it feels like we know somebody. When you're traveling all the time, it's nice to see some familiar faces. And so it's good to be here tonight and uh, feeling the presence of the Lord. In Second Samuel chapter 16, I'm going to read a, a few verses here just to give some context. But I'm beginning at verse 5. And when, Dave, when uh, King David came to Bahoram, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, uh, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people of, and all the mighty men that were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial, or Satan. And the Lord, uh, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned, and the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Verse 9, Then said Abishai, the son of Zariah, this is the cousin of King David, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with thee, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth out of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. And I would like you to notice particularly verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good this day, uh, good for his cursing this day. I want to read that verse in the New Living Translation, verse 12. He made this statement, Perhaps the Lord will see I am being wronged and will bless me this day because of these curses. I want to speak this evening about turning your curses into blessings. Praise God. God wants to turn your curses into blessings. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here tonight. We thank you for each person who's gathered together in your name. We recognize that your spirit is moving. We ask, Lord, for the anointing. We ask for authority in the Holy Ghost to minister with power. I pray, Lord, for those that may have been bound by different things over the years, that they will be set free tonight, that liberty, freedom will come in this place. And we pray these things in the name which is above every name.
in the name of Jesus. And we give you the glory and the praise. Let's thank him one more time tonight. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. This morning, you may be seated. This morning, I talked about David's tabernacle and the kind of worship that he did. Tonight, uh, I want to speak about the end of David's life. He was fleeing at this particular time because his son Absalom had wooed some of his advisors and counselors and uh, a large group of the people to his side to overthrow his father as king. David was fleeing from his life, not from Saul, not from some other enemy, but from his own son. And as he was fleeing, a relative of Saul, who had been king before David and had tried many times to kill David, uh, a, a relative of this king Saul by the name of Shimei, uh, saw him, and he passed, David passed by, he began to curse him and to throw stones at him and his servants and the people that were with David. And uh, David's cousin Abishai uh, was a very powerful man. He, we read in other parts of the scripture, was one of David's mighty men. After David killed the, uh, the giant Goliath, it said that his mighty men also killed other giants. It takes somebody to do the first one, and after that, others also gain courage and begin to do the same thing. And so the Lord, uh, through uh, Zariah and others, had killed many of the giants that had come against David and his people. And so uh, Abishai, at this particular time, was ready now to uh, uh, go to battle again. He was going to defend his king, and he said, Let me remove his head from its moorings. And I think that's how many of us respond when somebody does something against us. And they begin to curse us and begin to say things that are not true. And they begin to do things that uh, harm us and try to destroy our reputation. Our reaction is, let's remove their head. Let's fight back. Let's do everything that we can to destroy them. And so that was the response of David's cousin, rising to David's defense. But David said to him, and he rebuked him, he said, uh, I think that God has allowed this man to come and to curse me. And uh, he said, if my own son is willing to try and kill me, why should we stop this man who is from another family uh, from cursing me? It may be that the Lord will see my trouble this day, that I am being wronged, and that he will bless me because of these curses today. It's possible that God will see that actually I am in the right, and he's allowing people to turn against me and to curse me. I don't think you can get any lower than to have your own family coming after you. And then people that are from your past start to turn on you. And it appears as though everything is against you. And uh, it, you are indeed cursed. 
But the Bible tells us that if we will begin to turn to God and worship Him, if we'll understand that He is still King of kings and Lord of lords, that He still is on our side and He knows right from wrong, that He is going to stand up on our behalf and He's going to take and turn curses against us into blessings. Hallelujah. It's me, it makes me feel like, okay, go ahead and curse me because God's going to add blessings to my life. Every time you curse me, God's going to give me another blessing if I'll keep a right attitude. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's an inter- interesting uh, scripture in the book of, of Numbers, and you've probably heard it many times, but I refer to the story in Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23 and beginning at verse 5, there was a prophet by the name of Balaam who had been called by King Balak of Moab to come and curse Israel, who was Balak's enemies. He offered him a lot of money. He sent an entourage to go and, and entice him to come to Moab so that he could curse the king, or curse uh, uh, the, the nation of Israel, rather. And it says in verse 5 of uh, Numbers chapter 23, And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. Now, first of all, the Lord didn't want him to go, but he kept pushing because he thought somehow, you know, there's a good offering ahead of me if I can, if I can persuade the Lord. But... Uh, it said uh, the Lord came to him now and finally allowed him give him permission to go. And it said in verse 6, He returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab. And so he's getting ready to try and curse Israel. And all the princes of Moab are there. But the Lord speaks to him because he said, If you do go, you're going to have to say exactly what I say, exactly what I tell you. And this is what he said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aaron out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. Notice verse 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Suddenly he began to see through a tunnel the future. Many, many hundreds and thousands, perhaps a couple of thousands years later, this nation was going to be scattered so it would not even be considered a nation at all. He said, I I see them going through a very uh, troublesome time. But then he said in verse... uh, Uh, Verse 9, For from the top of the rocks I see him, from the hills I behold him. They are going to dwell alone. They shall not be reckoned among the nations. But in verse 10 he said, Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Their numbers are going to expand to the point you will not even be able to number them. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. He said, Israel will go through a time of trouble. 
It will go through a time of, uh, of uh, destruction. But he said at the very end, they will come forth victorious. And I want to have an end like Israel has. I want my end to be like that nation's end is going to be. Hallelujah. And so the scripture then tells us in verse 11, And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. He said, I brought you here to curse them, but instead God turned the curse into a blessing. Hallelujah. He turned uh, the thing upside down. He brought about something that I did not want. And so it tells us uh, in verse 20, Behold, uh, this is what... uh, Uh, Balaam the prophet said, Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. Praise God. God had given a commandment to Balaam, and Balaam said, I can't reverse what God's going to do. Praise God. Praise God. You know the story of Esther. We could tell you of her her story, how that Israel was to be destroyed because Haman hated uh, Mordecai. And uh, he had a law passed that at a certain time, certain day, that everybody could rise up in the entire Persian uh, uh, empire and uh, destroy the Jews and take everything that they had. But God turned that curse into a blessing. And the Lord moved upon Mordecai and Esther. And in the end, the Lord allowed a law to be passed that because the Persian law could not be changed once a king had set his seal to it. But he said that the Jews can fight against those who come against them. And because Esther was on the side of the king and the king was on her side, people understood which side was the winning side. And so the the curse became a blessing because of what the Lord had seen his people and the condition they were in and what they were calling for. Praise God. I believe tonight there may be people here who are feel like they have been under a curse. It seems there are things in their lives... And I have lived most of my life in nations where witch doctors, they don't call them that. Some of them, some places they call them uh, peers, other places mantra bodies, uh, whatever you want to call them. They are uh, witch doctors or people that put curses on people. And uh, we have seen that done to many people. But I want you to know today that there is power over every kind of curse in the earth. Hallelujah. Some people believe in generational curses. I want you to know something. When you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sins and His blood cleanses you, you're no longer under the curse. It's gone in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, man was under the curse of sin. For thousands of years, man tried to push it off. They tried to be good. They tried to to do what they could, but they failed over and over again. It seemed like it was impossible for man's lives to be changed. But in Galatians chapter 3 and in verse 10, the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Galatia, said in the 10th chapter uh, the 10th verse of chapter 3 
Galatians chapter 3 and verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth, uh, not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was no real law. They were just cast out of the Garden of Eden. So they didn't know what was right and what was wrong unless God told them some specific thing. And for many years it was thus. People didn't know what was right and what was wrong until God gave the law to Moses. And so you say, well, now at least people can live right. But actually the law became a curse because it showed them their sin, but it didn't provide a cure. And so now, not only were they sinners, but they were aware that they were sinners. And they had no way out. It seemed as though they were captured. And so the law actually became a curse to them. But look at verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. When Jesus went to the cross, when he hung on Calvary, the curse of sin was placed upon him. Every sin that every man and woman has committed or had committed before he hung on the cross, every sin that was to be committed in the future was on the cross with him. He took that uh, on our behalf. He took the curse upon him. Only people who were cursed hung on a cross. But Jesus, even though he was sinless, went to the cross on our behalf. He carried the curse with him. Praise God. Praise God. And then in verse 14, why? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That the curse might become a blessing. The curse of the law, the curse of sin, now becomes a blessing. Because through Jesus Christ, our sin is wiped away. It's gone. We are free. We are delivered. He said uh, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see, not only has He taken the curse and turned it into a blessing, now He has given us a promise. Praise God. He's given us a promise of something that we can receive in place of the curse. That curse is gone. It has become a blessing to us. And now he has promised us a uh, uh, something even greater. I want us to look at Genesis chapter 12 to see what the promise uh, was to Abraham. The book of Genesis chapter 12 and beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. This is what the Lord said. If you'll follow me, leave your 
idolatrous nation behind. Follow where I tell you to go. He said, I'm going to make a great nation from you. I'm going to bless you. And uh, your name will be great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee. And curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's the promise he gave to Abraham. Through you, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. Well, Abraham wandered a lifetime. And uh, it didn't appear as though everybody was getting blessed. It didn't appear as though this promise was being fulfilled. And so we have to look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And we see in Hebrews chapter 11... Verses 39 and 40. Uh, The apostle said in verse 39 of Hebrews 11, And these all, uh, if you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, it talks about the heroes of faith. Uh, Most sports uh, have what they call a hall of fame. Well, Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith. And it's those who died uh, seeking the Lord, following Him, pursuing after Him. And it tells us in verse 39 that these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So all the people in the Old Testament had not received the promise. God gave it to Abraham, and he said, everybody's going to be blessed through you, but they hadn't received it yet. It still had not come. But verse 40 tells us, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect or complete. So that means we're going to receive that promise. And when we receive it, it's going to make those in the Old Testament who died without the promise complete. That means we have to receive something that God's going to give. A promise that He gave way back to Abraham all those years ago. He said, we've got to receive it so that Abraham and everybody who came after him will also be complete. Praise God. Because everyone was under the curse. So now we have to receive something that's going to change everybody. In Acts chapter or, uh, sorry, Galatians chapter 3 and verse uh, 29. Galatians 3 and 29, And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed. Now this is the same chapter that talked about Christ hanging on the cross, becoming a curse for us so that we now might have the promise and it says here in verse 29 if you be Christ's then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise you become heirs now according to the promise that was given to Abraham thousands of years ago everybody was looking for it they knew there was a promise but they, they didn't know what it was They didn't know when it was coming. They didn't know how it was coming. But now he said, you are heirs of that promise. You have inherited that promise that was given. And what is it? In the book of Acts, 
chapter 2, and verse, beginning at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, we talk about that a lot. Verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise is to us. He said the promise that was given to Abram thousands of years ago has now arrived. This is the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost has been outpoured. You now have the Spirit of the living God in you. You now have victory over the power of sin. You now have power over the curse. Now your chains are gone. You've risen victorious. You have the power of the Holy Ghost to live victorious. And by us receiving the Holy Ghost, all the Old Testament prophets, all the Old Testament righteous, now are complete in Him. Praise God. Praise God. The curse has been turned into a blessing. We have now received the promise. Praise God. Praise God. In First Chronicles chapter 4, this is a portion of Scripture where there are a lot of names. And uh, I think it's important because they are in the Bible. And for scholars, it's probably something that they can really work with. But a lot of the names I can't even pronounce properly. And uh, they go on and on and on. Uh, in Canada, we have major highways like you do here. And every 50 or 75 kilometers, there's what we call a service center. And you can pull over into the service center. They, you can get petrol there. You can get uh, uh, food. Uh, there are restrooms. There's uh, some small shops that you can buy things. And uh, it's just time to take a little rest from the journey, a chance to refresh yourself. And uh, I think when I read through these chapters, I feel like I'm on one of those freeways, and I just would like to get going as fast as I can. And uh, the names are a little bit tedious, but all of a sudden, there's a service center. And you pull over to the side, and it tells us in, in First Chronicles chapter 4, in verse 9. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. The word Jabez means either sorrow or grief. His mother called him, we'll say, sorrow. And so uh, when he goes to school... And the teacher asks a question and he puts up his hand, Yes, Sorrel. When he, his friends come to call him to go play cricket, can Sorrel come up out and play with us? Uh, that's quite a name to carry around with you. And after a while, I think psychologically it would begin to bear on you. People would make fun of you. 
they would laugh at you because you carried a name like that. It's almost like a curse. So what was the response of Jabez? Did he just kind of curl up in a ball in the corner and say, I'm just going to survive until I die? No, that tells us in verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me. My name is grief or sorrow, but I'm asking you to bless me. Uh, Bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, my territory. Don't let me be in this little box that people have tried to put me in, but enlarge my territory. Let me see greater vistas. Let me see possibilities that people don't see for me. God has some things that I can get. And so he asked the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, that you enlarge my coast, and that your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from evil, that it might not grieve me, that those sorrows would not control my life. They would not set my destiny. And God granted him that which he requested. I don't care what kind of sorrow you've gone through in this life. I don't care how much grief you have carried. I don't care how many difficulties have been in your way and how many people have turned against you and it seemed like there was no hope. If you will call upon the God of Israel, if you'll call upon the the great God of heaven and ask Him to bless you and to enlarge your territory, that curse is already gone and He's going to bless you with things you could not imagine. Not only physically, not only materially, but also in the spirit realm. He'll take you into new areas of a spiritual authority. He'll take you into positions of power where you can do things you could not imagine before. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I believe the Lord wants to set some people free here tonight. You've been carrying around some burdens and and things that the devil's been pounding on top of you with. And the Lord wants to liberate you. He wants to break some chains. He wants to set you free. Praise God. Praise God. When I was a small boy, I was very, very shy. My mother had to go with me to Sunday school in the Sunday school class because I was too shy to go on my own. And uh, there were a lot of things that I, I would look at other people and say, wow, they're really good. Wish I could be like that. Uh, my brother who was next to me, had a great sense of humor, was very uh, funny, and, and people kind of just naturally gravitated to him. We'd have guest preachers come, famous preachers come in our home sometimes, and, and they would spend all their attention on my brother and uh, because of his personality. And I felt like, well, I guess I don't amount to a whole lot. But then the Lord put something in my heart that said, uh, I still want to use you. And I began to seek after him, call upon his name. And uh, over the years, I began to see changes 
And God has enabled me today to move into a position of spiritual authority that uh, uh, he sends me to nations to actually bind spiritual forces there. That's what he sends me to do today. It's not because of who I am, but it's because he has turned a curse into a blessing. Something that seemed beyond my ability. The Lord has given me a spiritual authority And I believe tonight that the Lord wants to touch some people here and to set you free so that you can go with great faith and power and authority and tear down spiritual strongholds. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know if you hear this kind of preaching very often. Uh, I believe that God is awakening the church to understand the role it has to play in the world today. And even though there are a lot of curses going around and it looks like things are not very good, the Lord has given the church authority. It has given the church power. And the Lord wants to turn those curses into a blessing. There's one more scripture, portion of scripture I would like to read in Revelation chapter 22. The last chapter in the Bible. And uh, it tells us in... Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1. This is a picture of heaven. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Let me draw a little picture here for you. You remember when Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning and the curse was put upon them and they were thrown out. And the Lord said, Adam, you're going to have to toil by the sweat of your brow. Eve, you're going to have to... uh, be in labor when you bring forth children and the serpent was cursed he was going to have to crawl on the ground and so there were a lot of curses put on them and and they were they were cast out of the garden of eden the reason they were cast out of the garden of eden because the tree of life was there and if they had eaten of that tree uh, in their sinful condition they would have lived forever with sin and so they were removed from that but now we find when we get to heaven There's going to be a crystal clear river. And the Bible says that the tree of life is going to be there. Because our sins are gone. The curse has been removed. We're going to be living in a position there where we don't have to worry anymore. We can eat from the tree of life. There's going to be 12 kinds of fruit. The tree is going to go over both sides of the river. It's going to form a canopy, as it were. And it will yield its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. And then in verse 3, he said, And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. I want you to know the curse has been defeated. Jesus has taken the curse and destroyed it. There is no sin that's too great. There is no difficulty that is impossible because he has defeated them. He is victorious. Would you stand with me tonight?